Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given by Tom Job on Sunday morning, May 28th, 2023, from the book of Revelation. I wanted to read you guys out of, this is out of the, the last book of the Bible. If, if you're in the book of Con- Concordance, I don't mean that one, just scoot one over so. But the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to this, his servant John who testified of everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written because the time is near. I, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who was, who is, and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Look, he's coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So so be it. Amen. I am the Alpha and and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Lord God, I feel like I'm done. That's, um, that is enough for today and forever. Help us to understand this. Help us to understand you in your precious name. Amen. So last week I had to go to, um, well, I had to fly to California. And so when I was flying there, the, so at a certain point the pilot said, hey, um, hey, um, this, is your, this is your pilot. And it looks like on the radar that we might have some turbulence. So this might be a little bit of a bumpy ride. So on the other hand, it may be the smoothest ride that you've ever had. So you just don't ever know. So I thought, so I, I, okay, I don't know why you told me that. Like, I would have rather not known. I mean, just like, I hate it. Like, I hate turbulence. I, so, like, if I feel like the pilot, when he's landing, if he's banking too sharply, I lean the other way to kind of help the, the whole thing out. I mean, just like, but, I mean, it's, it's just, like, I know that, oh, gosh, in 2020, nobody was killed on a commercial airliner. And a um, hundred people were killed by icicles falling on them, and 18 people died that year in America by vending machines falling on them. So, like, I know the whole thing, and nothing's gonna happen. And you know, it's just like so. Somebody said, if you're like, if you are, in, say, you're in a car, like, if you're in the passenger seat of a car, you're not driving it, and if you just close your eyes and imagine you're in an airplane and how bumpy it is, like, I personally would be freaking out because I just have that anxiety, I don't know, it's just anxiety about flying. So I like to, I read a lot about anxiety and I was reading this 
article that said actually anxiety is good because anxiety is an expression of optimism because so if you fear is like your emotional response to something bad that's happening or going to happen anxiety is your emotional response to something that you think may happen or could possibly happen so in your brain there's a place where you think hey but it might not happen Okay, no. So like anybody that would say anything like that it doesn't understand what it is to be anxious because like your chances of dying in a commercial airline flight are 1 in 34,740,000. So it's, um, but a person with anxiety would say, so you're saying there's a chance like that it, that, it, that it could happen, you know, but it's like, you know, it's like the whole thing about everybody's like so worried about like sharks, like sharks are going to, but you're, so sharks, sharks kill, um, shark, sharks kill in America one person every, every two years or like a half a person a year. That, I mean, that's kind of out of Jaws or something, like a half a person a year, but, um, but hippopotamuses kill like 1,290 1, people a year. Cows in America kill 20 people a year. So like if you're driving down like a state highway and you see a cow, like you don't post it on Instagram, like a cow spot, you know, they don't close the, the highway because of it. You know, it's just, but anyway, so, um, there's a lot of tips that people have about how to overcome your anxiety. This, I have this one guy, he had a lot of anxiety, and he said, and a guy said, hey, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing great. He said, you're doing great? I'm doing awesome. He said, what happened? I mean, you were always so anxious. He said, I found a guy. So, like, I, I found this guy, and he, he, I'm paying him. I'm paying him to worry for me. And it's like, <laughs> really? You're paying him to worry for you? Yeah, I just tell him what I'm worried, what I have, what I'm worried about, and he worries for me. And he said, how much does he charge you? And he said, it's about $1,275 a month. And he said, how are you going to pay for that? I'm going to let him worry about that. So, but, the, there's a, but I did find a book. Um, I found a book that has been really, really helpful to me uh, in dealing with some of the things that, some of the anxieties that I have. And so I just thought, like, in the coming weeks, I wanted to just share with you some of the insights that I'm getting out of this book that's really, really helping me. And the book that's helping me, it's called the Book of Revelation. Like, it's the last book of the New Testament. And people are like, the Book of Revelation, I mean, that thing scares the crud out of me. You know, it's just like, it's so full of scary things. Like, it always, it's all about, like, the Antichrist. And, well, actually, that word does not appear in the book of Revelation. And they're like, well, you know what I mean, like, the rapture. Okay, so that word does not appear in the book of Revelation. But, you know, the whole thing about, like, some people are going to be left behind, and who's going to, who's going to be left behind? And, okay, so, so that concept of being left behind actually comes from a couple of places in our culture. Uh, it comes from a song that a guy wrote in the mid-1970s, a guy named Larry Norman. I wish we had all been ready, where it says, you know, the time has run out and it's too late to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And there's a, I mean, there was a bunch of books called Left Behind, you know, that sold like a billion copies about all the people that get left behind. But actually the concept of being left behind, it comes from Matthew chapter 24, 
when Jesus is talking about when he comes to take over our world. And he said, he said, two men will be in a field and one will be taken and one will be left behind. And two women will be at a mill and one will be taken and one will be left. But he said, it's like in the days of Noah when some are taken and some are left. But the ones that are taken are taken by a wall of water. And the ones that were left were Noah and his wife and his kids. And Jesus said it would be just like that. The ones that are taken are the ones that are taken away because they haven't accepted him. And the ones that are left are the ones that are on team Jesus. And they welcome him when he comes to take over our world. All that to say, being left behind might be a little bit underrated. So, um, but, it's, but isn't it about, like, isn't the book of Revelation, isn't it like a prediction of like the, like the last days? And do you think we're in the last days? Okay, so, so we are officially in the last days. Um, in, in the book of Hebrews chapter one, it says, God who in a lot of different times and in a lot of different ways spoke to our fathers through the prophets in the last days has spoken to us in his son. So ever since Jesus rose from the dead, we've been in the last days. So, okay, so we're in them. Well, don't you think it's close? Well, I know we're one day closer than we were yesterday. That's, you know, pretty much. But people think, well, like, doesn't the, isn't the book of Revelation about predicting, like, all of the things that we see happening around us now? Like, wasn't it written about now? And I know that there's been a lot of, of stuff written about that. And there was a guy, there's another guy in the 19, uh, 1974, he wrote a book. Oh, by the way, so that whole, that song, um, I Wish We'd All Been Ready, when we moved to Italy, um, they used to sing that, non, non tutti erano pronti, that's what they called it. And, and they used to sing it in churches that we went to, and our kids, so they would learn the songs in church and they would sing them. And there's a part that said, that says, giorni freddi, bimbi morti, and, and it says, the days are cold and the children are dead. And so, and we were on a bus, we were on a city bus with the kids and they were, and they were singing that song about and everybody looked at us like we were the Adams family. Like it was just like, who are, who are these people? But um, so, um, but so this guy named Hal Lindsey, he was a, he had been a, a, a tugboat captain on the Mississippi River and he got a divorce and his life was a mess and he accepted Jesus and he went to Bible school and he wrote a book about how the book of Revelation is really an eyewitness account of the 20th century and how it predicted all the things that were going to happen and he told us all the things that were going to happen and he said Jesus is coming back in 1988 and none of the things that he said happened happened and that didn't happen and so people, there's a place like where people have always said from chapter 13 and the mark of the number of the beast and it's 666 and they use a, a kind of a, a, I don't know what you would call it, it's not really a science called gematria where you give letters to number values and they calculated that the antichrist who is gonna lead the forces of evil against Jesus is Nero or they thought it was Charlemagne, or they thought it was the architect of the revival of the glories of the ancient Roman Empire, Mussolini. And it wasn't him, 
and they thought it was JFK, and it wasn't him, and they thought it was Ronald Reagan, and it wasn't him, and they thought it was other, other that, so there was a place, one day I was in the Cedar Springs Christian Bookstore, and they, um, I don't know if they even still have that, but they, um, but they had a stack of books and they were on sale and they were 75% off. And the title of the book is, Is Saddam Hussein the Antichrist? The only thing is Saddam Hussein had been dead for a while. And so I'm like, really? We're still trying to get 25% off of this book right here? It's like, I mean, I would have bought one and maybe in 30 years taken it to Antiques Roadshow to see if it was, it was worth anything, but the, um, so the book of Revelation is difficult to understand. The only people I think who have ever understood it perfectly were the people who it was written to. So like if you ever, like if you want to know what a book of the Bible is about, like, so, like some people, like people say, you know, all of the Bible was written to me. I mean, all of the Bible was written for us but none of it was written to us. Like it was always written to somebody else. And so if you want to understand what a book of the Bible is about, like first Corinthians, all of a sudden you're in this ancient world and they're talking about the fact that, can you, is it okay to go to the butcher shop and buy products that he bought wholesale from a pagan temple and it was sacrificed to an idol? And you're like, what? And when you worship, why do women have to have cloth on their head? And people shouldn't be getting drunk at communion. And you're like, I mean, the cup is like that big. I mean, how are people getting drunk? And so, but it's just kind of the idea, you have to understand, so who was this written to? And what were they going through? That's the only way I can understand this book is try to get my mind around what their life was like. And so the book of Revelation was written to kind of clusters of little Christian communities who were being um, oppressed by a cruel empire that had killed millions and millions of people and they called that the Pax Romana. Like we'll just kill millions of people and that's the peace we bring. And at their life, their life was dumb. Every breath they breathed, every move they made, every square centimeter of their life was dominated by this empire. And these few scattered community clusters were people who had chosen to make Jesus their king. And because of that, they had problems and troubles that they had not chosen. And the book of Revelation was written in code. It was written in symbols because both of them could have gotten in trouble talking about what they were talking about. But it was written to tell them how to be faithful and how to be brave. One of my favorite people in the world, one of my heroes was a woman named Cory Ten Boom who lost her dad, her beloved dad, in Svenigen prison and she lost her beloved sister in Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany because they were hiding Jewish people in their home. Ravensbrück was a place that eventually 
had 127,000 women and 90,000 of them were killed. And she, and she traveled the world and she said, she, it, it was like she said, for people to think that the book of Revelation was delivered to people who were struggling and suffering for their faith in Christ, but it was really written for people 20 centuries later who happened to be the most comfortable humans who have ever lived in the history of humanity to tell them that they're never going to have to suffer. For her, it was personally offensive. Because, you know, I, I asked one time, I used to have a church, it was something that God did in Milan, but we, we wound up starting a church in the Arabic language for Arabic Christians. And we didn't know it at the time, but it was the only Arab language Christian church in Italy. But they, and a lot of the people who were a part of it were from Egypt, and a lot of them were, dis, dis, they were very, very strong Christians from very biblical churches, but they were discriminated against and in some cases persecuted, and so they had to leave Egypt. And we were talking about this stuff in the end of the world, and I said, you know, when it comes to like the, the rapture, is Jesus gonna come and take the Christians out of the world before it gets bad, like the pre-tribulational rapture or in the middle of all that, or at the end of it? What do you all believe in Egypt? And one of them said to me, we believe that Americans are the only Christians who ask that question. Because Americans are the only Christians in the world who expect to be exempt from suffering. So, um, so anyway, If you have a book that was written to people who had every reason to be anxious, to tell them why they shouldn't be anxious, I want to know what's in it. And so one of the secrets of not being, an, not being a person who is just taken by anxiety, it's in the very first verse of the very first chapter, that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the word revelation is a Latin word. The re part means back, and the V-E-L part, it means veil. It means taking the veil back. It's a taking the veil back so you can see Jesus better, like who he is and what he's doing in the midst of all of this mess we're living in. The, the, in, in some versions, it's called the apocalypse. And the apocalypse, apocalypse is the Greek word, which is the same as the Latin word, revelation. Apo means back from, and calypso means curtain. And let's just pull the curtain back. We need to know more about who, if you don't want to be anxious in an anxiety-filled world, you need to know more about who Jesus is. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. It's a word that means those very first verses, in the first eight verses, he said, Jesus is the Messiah, which means he's the promised king. He's the one who one day is going to come, and he's going to claim this world. But he also said he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Like, it may not seem like it, but before he comes to claim this world, he's actually now ruling this world and he's doing things in it and he's working it out according to his own way and he's the almighty one in chapter 21 in verse 5 and 6 he talks about the almighty is the lord god almighty that jesus is the lord god almighty who is going to claim this world in the meantime he's ruling this world and there's one other thing that you need to know about him he says in verse 5 he's the one who loves us 
and has freed us from our sins by his own blood. There's play, sometimes in the New Testament, they're inventing words for the love that Jesus, they, nobody ever had done that before. There's a place in the gospels where there's a word that means to feel, be filled with compassion. It has to do with like your intestines. And it's like to feel so much somebody's suffering and pain. It's used 13 times in the gospels, 11 times of Jesus, and two times in stories that Jesus told that talked about how he felt about people. But the, and there's a lot of places like where Paul said, he's the one, He's, he's the one who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the only place in Revelation 1, chapter, chapter, verse 5, that says that Jesus loves us in the present tense. But I think they were the people who needed to hear it most. There's a, um, and he's free to, and he's, and he's given his blood for us. I mean, he gave his blood because he loves you and because he loves me. I was telling guys out at the Morgan County Prison the other night that Beethoven wrote his third symphony and dedicated it to Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, this is for you there, Bono, you know, but whatever. Until he realized that he was a, just an absolute jerk. And so he changed it and dedicated it to a guy named Franz Joseph Le Powski, which I don't know who he was, but the only thing I know is he didn't write it for me. Thomas Edison invented the electric light. He did it for money and he made a lot of it, but he didn't do it for me. When the very first humans walked on the moon, I was in the ninth grade and the first person who walked on the moon said, that's one small, he didn't say, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for my ninth grade homeboy in East Tennessee. I mean, they put, they put a flag up, I think it was the American flag, but it wasn't a flag that said, we did this for you, Tommy. We love you, buddy, you know. But if I, but if I see a crucifix, I can, I can touch it, I can kiss it, and I can say to myself, you did that for me. When I see a cross around someone's neck, I can tell myself he did that for me. When I see somebody cross themselves to get the blessing of it, I can say to myself, he did it for me. There's a place in chapter 16 where there's a lot of bad things that start to happen in, su in succession in the world. And it, it's trying to get to ping a place in your brain that takes you back to Exodus chapter 12 and all the bad things that happened to the Pharaoh in Egypt so that he would be convinced to let Moses and the people of God leave his country. And they were protected from all of that stuff because they had the blood of lambs that they killed and the sweet, innocent lamb, a gentle lamb. And they painted the doorway and the post of their house with the blood of a lamb and they, and they were protected because of it. And there's a place in chapter 15, before this happened, where it says in heaven, there's a lot of singing in the book of Revelation. And when they pull the curtain back and you get to look into heaven a little bit, all they're doing is singing. And it says that they sang the song of Moses and of the Lamb. That's who Jesus is. That's who is going to claim this world. That's the one who rules this world, the Lord God Almighty. He is a lamb throughout the book. He is a lamb and he has the heart of a lamb. The word throne is used in 
the Gospel of Matthew, who talks about Jesus being a king, I think four times. It's used in the Gospel of Luke three times. It's used in the book of Acts three times. It's used in the book of Revelation 43 times. The word lamb is used in the Gospel of Matthew zero times. It's used in the Gospel of Mark one time. It's used in the Gospel of Luke two times. It's used in the Gospel of John three times. It's used one time in 1 Corinthians, one time in 1 Peter, and it's used in the book of Revelation 28 times that Jesus and like people think that okay Jesus is gentle and meek he's a lamb but in the book of Revelation he turns into a lion and John said I thought that too I heard that I looked and checked he's a lamb the whole time God is love Jesus is God Jesus is love if a equals b and b equals c a equals c you know i used to when i became a christian and i think i've told you guys this uh, when i became a christian when i was 20 and i started going to churches and i would hear things that i had never heard before like god is love and i had heard that and then but people would say like in the churches i went to god is love but he's also holy so you have you have to understand god is love but he's holy and it made me feel like if you just said god is love you were like a liberal or something. But, and it, I, di I didn't understand that because it felt like they were, you're saying like holiness and love are the opposite of each other. And I didn't really, I'm like, okay, I guess. And then one day I found a scripture in, Luke, in, in Romans chapter 13 where it says, have no outstanding debt, but the continuing debt to love one another. Because if there's, if there's any commandment, and he starts to name the 10 commandments, they're fulfilled, do not murder, they're fulfilled in love. And I thought, holiness, the clearest expression of holiness is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are fulfilled in love. If A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, holiness is love. Sometimes, like if a person asks me, like, do you believe, do you believe that Jesus is Almighty God? And I do, I do. I think the Bible tells it and it says it in a million places. But sometimes I feel like if somebody asks me that, do you believe that Jesus is God? I would want to ask them, it depends. It depends on what kind of God you believe in. Like if you believe in a God who's mean, if you believe in a God who's harsh, if you believe in a God who's cold, if you believe, in a God you can never please? If you ask me, do I believe that Jesus is God? I will say yes, but I have a question for you. Do you believe that God is Jesus? Like, do you believe the heart of God the Father is the same as the heart of God the Son? Do you believe the heart of God loves like Jesus loved when he walked on our, in our world, that the heart of God is a heart that loves the unlovable, that hugs the untouchable, that spends time with the um, impossible, that, that wants the irredeemable, that will bear the sins of the unbearable. You know, so there's a place in, so one thing we learn about Jesus in Revelation chapter one is that he's the Alpha and the Omega. Like he's, he, there, there's a, what he was in the beginning, he'll be forever and ever. So 
There's a, in chapter four, there's this thing that happens where John, the, the, a door's open in heaven, and, he's, and, he, and he hears a voice that says, come up here. And, he, and, the, and he sees the one sitting on the throne, like almighty God sitting on the throne. And there's like lightning and thunder, and there's a, a 360 degree rainbow, green rainbow around the throne. And there are these, there are 24 people and these angelic and they're all worshiping him and they say worthy are you to receive glory honor and wisdom and power because because you created all things i mean i thought it used to say you created all things and by your will they are and were created now i think that what they're saying is you created all things the god of love created this world for love. The world was made for love. It was supposed to be a world of love where everybody just loved everybody. And so what happens is there's another angel and he has a scroll and it's written on the front and back, and it's sealed with seven seals, and biblical scholars think that it's kind of like the title, who has the, the right to rule the world? I mean, and anybody should have. Like, every, we were supposed to, we were supposed to love. Like, all we were supposed to do is love God and love everyone. We were supposed to love. Could you imagine a world where people loved? Everyone loved everyone. It's so simple. People all over the world join hands. Get on a love train. Love, you know, tell all the folks in Russia. Tell the folks in China, too. Don't you think it's time to get on board? What if everybody had loved two simple things, love God and love everyone? What if, what if everyone had always loved everyone? What if nobody owned anything because I love you so much that I care about you so much that what I have is yours? Love dictates that I don't own anything. It belongs to everybody because I care about everybody. What if the people in Central America were having problems and all we did was quote Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, come up here. We have food, we have medicine, we love you. Our food is your food, our medicine is your medicine. What if people had done that? Like what if the world, but it wasn't that way and we didn't do that and we haven't loved each other and the world has turned into a cruel mess because we didn't love and nobody was found that could take that scroll. And an angel said, and John said, I was just, this was a disaster and I just wept. And an angel said, John, stop weeping. The lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. And I looked, I was, this is something that happens a lot in the, in the book of Revelation is I heard something and I looked and I saw something else. I heard it was a lion and I looked and it was a lamb. And, the, and all through the book of Revelation, Jesus conquers with the heart of a lamb, a heart of a lamb who gave his blood. And for him to conquer, when it talks about conquering for the, the, for the, for the lamb heart of Jesus to conquer, it doesn't really mean crush anyone. So in the book of Revelation, there's places where it's always building up to a battle and it's building up to a final battle. But if you read it, they never fight them. 
Jesus, it's just like Matthew chapter 24. It's like Zechariah chapter 12, which is quoted in chapter 1. He just shows up. And that's the end of it. It's just, you know. But for him, conquering, it doesn't mean crushing people. It means winning people. And so from chapter 6 through chapter 19, when all of this awful stuff has happened, and you pull the curtain, and you, and you find out people are pouring into the kingdom of God. So that at a certain point, worshiping around the throne of the Lamb, what would this mean for clusters, scattered little clusters of tiny Christian communities oppressed by an, a cruel empire, and they find out, you know where all this is going? To an innumerable multitude that nobody can number from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. That's the Lamb who rules this world. And when he comes back in Revelation chapter 19 on a white horse and his garment is dipped in blood and battles never get fought, many scholars believe it must be his own that he gave for us to win this world. So there's a place in chapter 7 where um, John said, who are these? And the angel said, you know. And he said, these are the ones who have come out of great suffering. And they don't hunger and thirst anymore. And they don't, the sun doesn't scorch them. And they're not burned by it anymore. And the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. And if you're going through a thing right now, and it's really, really hard, the one who rules this world, the one who loves you, is a shepherd. If you feel like a lamb, like I don't know what to do, I'm confused, I can't defend myself, and I don't know what to do, you have a shepherd who has the heart of a lamb. He knows what it feels like to be you. And he'll help you. He'll do it so sweetly. Can I just take one minute and share with you one thing? It's something that I've always loved. That if, if you're in a difficult time and you ask Jesus to be the shepherd with the heart of a lamb to you, to be gentle to you, to help you. He'll do it. There's a guy that I've always really super respected. His name is Marshall Shelley. And he was the editor of Christianity Today magazine. He's the, he's the head of doctoral programs at Denver Seminary and his wife, Susan. And they had a, a, a little girl named Kelsey uh, and, um, and another little girl. And then they had a daughter named Mandy and Mandy had hydrocephalia, and so hydrocephalia, she was blind and deaf, and she had seizures, and they just had to take care of her around the clock. And then, and then they had another little boy, and they knew from the doctors that he had a, gen a genetic defect, and he was only going to live a matter of hours. And so when Mandy was three, they had Toby, and they held him for eight hours, and he died. And then three months later, Mandy got pneumonia, 
They had taken Toby 700 miles to Kansas in their in a station wagon to bury them on their family farm. Three months later, they were taking Mandy. So they had a, um, so Susan, she was reading every verse there is about heaven and she knew all about heaven and she knew they were in heaven, but sometimes people have a thing and I've seen it happen where they love Jesus and they love the scriptures, but they need to know. They just need to know that the one they love is safe. She was talking to her friend, Mary Lou Bailey, Mary and Joe Bailey lost three kids, a baby, a child, and a grown child. And she told her, I, need, I, just, I know they're safe, but I need, a, I need God to show me. She said, ask him. Ask him to tell you that. Ask him to tell you your kids are safe. You may get an answer you don't expect. And so she would just pray that for three nights in a row, just in her bed. God, tell me they're safe. I know they're safe. I claim the scripture. Tell me they're safe. Just tell me they're okay. And, and on the third night, about after midnight, these little feet come down the hallway. And sometimes their kids would come and jump in bed. But they came down the hallway, and they stopped at the door, and they went back down the hallway. And it, anyway, the morning was Palm Sunday, so they tried to get the kids out of bed. And Kelsey, was, who was seven, she couldn't wake up. Because she, and her mom said, did it have to do with a little adventure that you had last night? And she said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. She said, I needed, to, I needed to tell you something, but I didn't want to wake you up. So I went back to my bed, and I said it over and over and over to myself. And she said, well, what was it? And she said, God told me something. And she said, God told you something. She said, yes. And she said, was it a voice? She said, I don't know. It was just in my head, but he told me something. And I said it over and over and over to myself because I needed to tell you. God told me that Mandy and Toby are safe. They're around his throne. They're guarding his throne. And they're getting a place ready for us. I wanted to remember it because it felt like something important. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being a shepherd to us. Thank you for the heart you have. Thank you that it never changes. Thank you that you have the heart of a lamb. You have a heart of love. The world is ruled by a heart like yours, and we love you. Amen. You took my chains and set me free. You took my sin and gave me grace you took my shame and honored me you took my part you took my place you're bringing joy to my despair light of your face and you're speaking peace into my fears you took my part you took my place the perfect son of god has paid for
took my chains and set me free You took my sin and gave me grace You took my shame and honored me You took my part, you took my You took my part, you took my